I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime New, New England. England Case Profiles Edition. Hello, welcome back to another mini episode. We are so glad to have you joining us on our 13th edition of our Case Profiles. Lucky number. Yes, especially a lucky number. Oh, yeah. So, unfortunately, the stories we're going to tell aren't exactly lucky, but, you know, we'll try our best to uh, get these stories out there. I know, personally, my case is actually a solved one. So, that, I guess, is lucky. Um, Is yours unsolved? It is unsolved. I think we have a suspect in mind. Yeah. But nobody has been officially charged. Sure. Technically, yes. Okay. And typically they're unsolved. So it's actually Mm -hmm. kind of weird that mine is solved today. But sentiment still remains the same. We want to get these stories out there regardless of amount of information or story, like just anything. So if you guys are not familiar with our case profiles, our mini episodes, it is where we tell you guys stories about people of color who have been murdered, they're missing, just a crime has been committed. And these cases just have not had the same media coverage, media attention, attention from law enforcement. And as a result, there's not enough information for us to do a full episode on, which is very frustrating because a lot of times, like you said, Liz, these cases are unsolved. Yeah. So we are kind of using our platform and doing this as a way to get cases out there in some capacity. Absolutely. And these episodes come out every other Sunday, so you can expect them in between a few episodes. You got one week, you got one episode. The next week, it's two. So just hold on every time, okay? We're coming for you. And I think we've already established this with our listeners, and if you listen to these often, you'll know that an it's an odd number. Uh, it's Katie's turn to go first. And just so if you're tuning in for the first time, we do not know each other's stories. So the reactions are genuine. These details are not things we've each heard. Like, I truly don't know what you're about to tell me. So have at it. I am going to be telling you, Liz, as well as our lovely listeners about the murder of Rhonda and Corian Johnson. Okay. My sources are The Justice Journal, TheHour.com, FrontPageDetectives.com, and Portal.ct.gov. All right. Four sources, which That's... is pretty hefty for Whoa. a case profile. Yeah, it really is. On September 12th, 1996, a woman was walking her dog at just before 8 p.m. when she passed a 1988 blue Toyota Camry on Grenhart Road in Stamford, Connecticut. Okay. Immediately when she passed the car, she noticed something was off. Mm -hmm. Inside the car was 18-year-old Rhonda Johnson and her six-month-old baby boy, Coran, and they had both been shot in the head. (gasps) Oh, my God. Rhonda was actually slumped over the steering wheel, and this is what alerted the woman walking her dog that something was wrong. Right. Rhonda had two bullet wounds to the back of her head. And her baby boy was still strapped in his car seat, and he had a bullet wound to the side of his head. That's awful. Police say that the shots were done so in a way that indicated that the person who committed the murders was inside the car with them. Oh, really? It looked like the person was sitting in the passenger seat and shot Rhonda from there, and then he turned around and shot the baby boy in the side of the head from the passenger seat. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. They can tell that from the angles. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Rhonda had recently graduated from West Hill High School and was a part-time college student at Norwalk Community College. 
She also worked as a dietary aide at Stanford Hospital, where her mom, Blanche Johnson, also worked. Wow. Their shifts worked out really well, so they could share Blanche's car and kind of get back and forth, and Rhonda could take her baby to the babysitters and run errands, and they were able to coordinate their work shifts so that they shared the car, but ultimately that vehicle was Blanche's. Okay, the one they were found in? Yeah. Oh. During her senior year of high school, Rhonda was in a relationship with her boyfriend, who she adored. She had a lot of friends. She was very well-known, very well-liked. She gave birth to Koran in March, but returned back to school to walk in her graduation, and she also went to senior prom. Good for her. Yeah. That's great. Koran was actually not Rhonda's boyfriend's child. She had had kind of a one-night stand situation with another male who lived in their neighborhood named Andre Messam. Mm. It seemed like Andre was a little older than Rhonda. I'm not sure of his age at the time, mm-hmm. but it seemed like he was maybe a year or two older, if not more. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were saying like he was in his 40s. Oh, whoa. Okay. <laughs> I would have died. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Case closed. And I, <laughs> un- unfortunately, you know, I see that sometimes at the hospital. So it, oh, yeah. that's why my mind went there, I think. Oh, Absolutely. Andre didn't really spend a lot of time with Rhonda or Coran, but he gave her money for the babysitter sometimes. On September 11th, 1996, the day before her murder, Rhonda was supposed to meet Andre to collect the babysitting money from him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This money exchange between the two of them was becoming kind of an issue. Uh-oh. Because Andre didn't want to pay her anymore. And also, he did not want his current girlfriend knowing he had a child. Yikes. Rhonda later got a call asking her to postpone their meeting until the next day, the day she was murdered. No. Yes. Wow. The day of the murder, Rhonda picked up Karan from their babysitter's house on Oak Lawn Avenue at about 3.30. She was supposed to be at Stanford Hospital for 4 p.m. Some sources said she was going to start her work shift. Some sources said she was picking up her mom from her work shift. Sure. Regardless, she was to be at the hospital for 4 p.m. Right. She never made it there. Yeah. When she didn't show up and didn't let anyone know she wouldn't be there, this raised some serious red flags. You know, people thought that maybe she wasn't the most responsible because she was a teen mom and it was completely the opposite. Right. You know, she was going to class at a community college. She was a great mom. She was a loving mom. Mm -hmm. She busted her ass for her son. Yes. She had a good relationship with her family, Mm. and she really was a hard worker. So this was completely so unlike her to not be there. Right. In 1998, two years after the murders, Andre Messam was convicted on charges of breach of peace, interfering with an officer, drug charges, and third-degree assault and threatening. Wow. After his release, he was then sentenced to three years of prison in October of 2006 as a result of a police stop in July of 2004 where they found cocaine on his person. Yikes. Andre was and still is a person of interest for the murders of Rhonda and Curran. Interesting. During his hearing in 2006 for the cocaine charges, Mm -hmm. he actually told the judge during his hearing that he was being railroaded by police. He said to the judge that the cops were, quote, playing hardball, and he even told the police to, quote, arrest him for it, in oh. reference to Rhonda and Coran's murders. Really? Mm-hmm. In court. Yikes. For a totally separate charge. Yep. Yikes. Despite this connection and the timeline, no one has ever been charged with the murders. Rhonda's mom stated, quote, maybe people are afraid. I have no idea why this case hasn't been solved or why people are holding back. 
I don't see how someone can murder two children and get away with it. Yeah. Because she's exactly right. Rhonda was still a child. She was yeah. 18 years old. Yeah. Who shoots a six-month-old baby still in their car seat? I can't even imagine, especially if it was his father, mm. how sick of an individual do you have to be? And what is the reason? Like, it's not like a six-month-old child can say, oh, yes, officer, it was him that shot my mother. Right. Or, yes, officer, he was six foot two and wearing a blue coat and this and that. This child is six months old. He's not a witness. He doesn't even have object permanence yet. (laughs) So there's literally no reason. And by killing the baby, it sounds personal. 100%. Yeah. The kid, who knows if he could even talk? He was six months old. Right. That would be amazing. He probably wasn't even saying dada. Literally. Literally. He couldn't even tell the cops, dada, dada. shot mama. Right. Like, not, there's no, it's no so way. unnecessary. There's so no unnecessary. reason. And obviously killing her too was unnecessary. Of course. That goes without saying. Oh, but like, but that's just ridiculous. A baby. Leave the child out of it. Rhonda was buried with baby Karen in her arms. Oh, stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Rhonda has a playing card as part of the cold case deck of cards for Connecticut, and she is the ace of hearts. There's also a $50,000 reward for anyone with any information leading to the arrest of the person or people responsible. Good to know. Anyone with any information about the murders of Rhonda and Curran Johnson are asked to please call the Stamford police. Their phone number is 866-623-8058. And that is the murders of Rhonda and Curran Johnson out of Stamford, Connecticut. That is an awful story. How heartbreaking. And that happened in 96? Yeah. Wow. That long ago. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. That poor baby. How fucked up. That poor baby and her poor baby. Right. Oh, that's awful. So, Katie, I'm going to be sharing the story of the murder of a man named Aaron Justin Warnham. My sources today come from legal.com. Uh, an article from Homicide Watch Boston, and also a little snippet from Aaron's mother from the website Mothers for Justice and Equality. Wow. .org. Yes. Which is fantastic. That's a great organization. I mean, that's a hard club to say you're a part of. You know, that's terrible. But um, she is a big factor in this organization. So... On June 26th of 2011, in Suffolk, Massachusetts, 25-year-old Aaron Justin Warnham was with two of his close friends, Eric Hicks and Jason Hurd. Okay? I'm going to be throwing a few players at you. So these are his friends. So it's Aaron, Eric, and Jason, and they're in Aaron's car. Aaron was driving the friends to Eric's house, which happened to be through the Dorchester neighborhood in Boston. And while driving, Aaron was like, guys, I have to meet up with someone on one of my friends. He has money for me. If you don't mind, we'll make that stop. It's on the way. We'll make that stop. And his friends were like, cool, whatever. No big deal. I made that up. I don't know what they said, but they were in essence fine with it. It was just a little detour, which it doesn't sound like they cared about. Um, So... And respectfully, I think this is a great move on Aaron's part. He had to call the friend, so he pulled over to make the phone call. Not a, can't even say that I do that, so good on him. Responsible driving. Exactly. So he did, he did pull, he pulled over in a nearby parking lot, called up his friend, who happened to be 22-year-old Anthony Robertson. So Aaron continued driving once he got off the phone with... Anthony, and he said, okay, you know, Anthony was going to meet me on this street. He said he's walking 
wherever and we'll, we'll pass by and I'll stop and we'll, I'll get my money. So he got to a nearby street and he was unable to find Anthony. So he called him and he said, Hey, where you at? And as he was calling him, he came around the corner. And so he's like, Oh, there you are. Silly me, you know? And, um, Anthony was with his friend. His name was Emmett Perry. And they kind of just came into view and Aaron was like, great, Eric, Jason, you stay in the car real quick. I just want my money. It'll be fast. Great. Everything seemed normal so far. Until it wasn't. So Aaron began to talk to Anthony and Emmett. He got out of the car and all of a sudden an argument broke out, which I feel like these things often happen this way. An argument broke out. Aaron was grabbed by his shirt. It's unsure at this point who grabbed him, but one of, it was either Anthony or Emmett, grabbed him by the shirt. Aaron was able to pull away and be like, you know, what the hell, man? At this point, Eric, friend in the car, was like, what the hell is happening? He got out of the car and tried to confront and stop what was going on. Like, hey, man, cool down. No big deal. Like, let's not make this into a thing. This caused Anthony to take out a gun. And now at this point, Aaron ran to the other side of the vehicle, panicking because um, now a gun is out. That's horrifying. Unfortunately... Eric was stuck there, so he was robbed by the two men. But he comes out of this uninjured physically. Um, But he was robbed by then. And then all of a sudden, you know, Aaron was scared and confused. And he was like, what are you doing, Anthony? What is going on? Like, this is so out of left field. And this is when Anthony fired shots towards Aaron. So it ended up being that Aaron was shot several times. However, it's unclear the timeline and how it happened. But basically, Anthony started shooting at Aaron. He was around the side of the car. Whether he hit him or not in these first initial shots is unclear. But Anthony ended up going around the car to where Aaron was and shooting him close range in the chest and the head and the neck. Yes. So he was shot several times. Again, unsure how many times, but at least two or three because he was shot in all those places. And again, unsure who, but somebody called the police. Anthony and Emmett booked it out of there. And unfortunately, Aaron died 25 minutes later at a local hospital. Aaron was described as being mature, generous, and unique. He was actually in college. Um, He had a full four-year scholarship that he was awarded, and he was attending the University of Massachusetts in Boston. He was a musician. He dreamed of opening up a music company, uh, and he also really had a goal of helping the underprivileged youth in his community. And I feel like we see that a lot in these cases because they come from that kind of lifestyle and then they grow up and they're like, I'm going to make a difference. So it doesn't happen to them like it did to me. And unfortunately, Aaron was young. He was in college and this, you know, this happened and he lost his life. And his mom, obviously, as you know, from one of my sources, the Mothers for Equality, she was devastated and it was just out of the left field. So unfortunately, you know, Aaron was murdered in just such a quick, it was so fast. And unfortunately, he lost his life in front of his friends too. That's terrible. Just terrible. So that's the murder of Aaron Warnham. That is crazy. I know. And something, it seemed really legit. 
I want to say that something about them meeting up, like the money wasn't drug money. It was more like employment that they had done together or he had done something for Anthony, something like that. I don't think it was a nefarious deal or anything. So the fact that he was murdered over this for whatever reason, it can't, I mean, it can't be rationalized, you know, for whatever reason, there's not an appropriate reason. Same idea with Rhonda and Corinne, like, truly is the only thing you could think of was to murder really that makes no i can't like i can't think of any circumstance i would be in where i would be meeting up with someone to exchange money Mm -hmm. and a fight breaks out like what could you possibly be fighting over that you feel like you need to pull out a gun yeah and repeatedly shoot your friend yeah And then come around the side of the car and shoot your friend again at close range multiple times in the chest, head, and neck to make sure that he was dead. Right. What the fuck? That's intense. That is overkill and unnecessary. What amount of money could have made this a thing? Right. In my eyes, literally no money could have justified that. Obviously, I'm not a psychopath, I'm not an asshole, etc., etc., but it just doesn't make sense. Holy shit. He has some crazy anger issues, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, At right? least, if not much more going on upstairs, because that is not rational in any way, shape, or form. No. Unfortunately, I feel like these things are never... They never are. Right. It's terrible stuff, but it's why we do it, you know, to get these stories out there. We know that Anthony shot and killed Aaron. I'm not sure what happened after that. There wasn't a lot of information, as these things typically go, Mm. which is unfortunate. Guys, if you have any shorter cases that you want us to cover that are of people of color in New England, please send them our way. We would appreciate it so much. You guys have been doing so wonderfully with sending us cases. We've definitely gotten a few from you guys about like case profiles, so that's great. Keep it up. Send them on our Instagram, True Crime Any, or you can email us, truecrimeany at gmail.com. You can even go to the website, truecrimeany.com, and go to our submission tool under contact and send us a case profile or a regular profile or whatever you want. Hell yeah. And even if you feel like, you know, I don't know if there's enough information to do even a mini episode on it, still send it our way because we've been doing Instagram and website posts as well for the ones that we just can't do for a mini episode. So that way we're still getting them out there in some capacity and we're not just back to square one and unable to cover them at all. Absolutely. And with that, we'll see you on Thursday. Bye. Goodbye.